Hey there, Koejo here, and I understand that running your own Facebook ads can be quite complicated and intimidating, and yet, at this point, you're not ready to hire out Facebook ad management. So, if this is you, I can teach you how to run your own Facebook ads. One-on-one, -on -one, unlimited support over the next 28 days. We will have three Zoom calls, and in between those calls, you get all the support and all my strategies I will audit your graphics, your ad copy, make sure that you're set up the way that's working best for my clients. We'll take care of all the analytics. I will coach you step-by-step step how to troubleshoot ads, how to know when to scale, and how to read all the signs so that you're equipped to run successful lead magnet campaigns and profitable sales campaigns and registration campaigns for your launch or what have you. If you need this kind of support from me right now, then click the link in the show notes below. It's the art of online business forward slash call. I've been doing this all along, but now the offer is just focused on helping you run your successful ad campaign within the next 28 days and the next five people get a pretty nice discount. All right, the link is in the show notes below. Back to the episode. But you can be the best email writer in the world, but if you don't have a clue about your audience, you know, at least not on a deep enough level, it doesn't matter you're sending great emails. They're just not going to be relevant. This is the show where I bring you the best tips, tactics, and strategies for using paid traffic to grow your business on autopilot. You also hear what's working and not working right now from the top minds in online marketing so that you can get more leads and sales every day without having to empty your wallet in the process. All right, let's jump into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Art of Paid Traffic podcast. Rick Mulready here. This is episode number 123. Thanks a lot for coming to hang out with me today. Really appreciate it. Hope this finds you well, whatever you're up to today. Really excited about today's episode because we've got Andre Chaperone on the show today. He's an expert in email marketing, and we can talk about getting leads all day here in the podcast, but if we're not able to convert those leads into paying customers, which we often do through email marketing, then we're wasting our money. And that's exactly why I've asked Andre to come onto the show here today to talk to you about how to be a better email marketing, how to write better emails so that you can convert those leads into paying customers and create great relationships with the people that you're bringing onto your email list. And I first learned about Andre a few years ago through his email marketing course, which is called Autoresponder Madness. For those of you guys who have been around a while, you may have heard of his program. It's kind of one of the original email marketing courses. It's really, really good. And over the past few years, I kept running into people that had nothing but good things to say about Andre. And they kept saying, you know, you got to have him on the podcast. So we've actually been trying to connect for a while now. And I'm pumped to finally have him on the show here for you today. So today you're going to learn five ways to learn exactly what you should be writing to your email list. Andre shares how to hone in on specific segments of your email list so that you can speak directly 
to them. He shares why reading fiction books can help you be a better email writer. And Andre shares the fiction book that it's helped him more than any other book out there. This one may surprise you. It definitely did me when he shared this. We talk about why you can have some of your most successful promotions, even with a small email list. How Andre's won several affiliate promotions with email list under a thousand people. We dive into segmentation and automation. You learn the framework of successful email marketing. I think you can tell from my voice, I'm getting all excited about this. This is a really good one here, guys. It takes us a little bit to kind of get into it here in the episode. So hang with us. There is a lot of gold here in today's episode. So without further ado, let's go hang out with Andre Chaperone. Andre, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We were just talking about, we thought that this interview would ever happen. It's been a little while since trying to work out a time, but thank you again for coming on to the podcast here. I'm really excited to have you. Uh, it's my pleasure. So I first learned about you probably a few years ago now with Autoresponder Madness. That was a course that you created about email writing and, and writing better copy and writing, uh, kind of being more specific to that. What you were solving was, here's how to write or be a better email marketer without being kind of spammy. You were kind of teaching a formula for that. So I'd love to know kind of how... Actually, let's start with your background here. How did you get into that and and sort of what are you up to right now? How did I get into that? I was fired or made redundant, uh, whichever one, back in 2003. I was working the corporate rat race in London, England. And yeah, in 2003, and my company had been acquired. And I knew that our department was going to lose their jobs at the end of the year. And this was this was the beginning of 2003. Mm-hmm. So everybody started started to look for new jobs. And I thought, actually, this will be a, this will be a great, a great opportunity to hit the reset button and maybe try and do something else. Well, what um, was that so job? That, it was computer stuff. It was uh, I was an IT engineer. So I was doing Microsoft. Had my Microsoft certification, and I was doing. I started to do some some Cisco stuff as well. Got it. The programming, the routers, but it was a boring existence, and I didn't enjoy all the commuting. And in 2003, jobs were being outsourced to India at the time in London. So job salaries were going down and not up. So I just thought, you know, there's got to be a a more interesting way to earn a living online. I mean, earn a living full stop. Uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't know about the whole online thing at the time. So that kind of happened from me reframing that in my head. And then, yeah, on October 22nd, 2003 was when I lost my job. And thank God I've never had to go back and work for a boss again. <laughs> so what, how did you, I mean, did you know about, the, you said that you weren't really familiar with the online world at that point, as far as creating your own business. Like what was that sort of first step into that world? Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know people were actually online and well, I, I didn't know they were online earning a living. So maybe it was about six months into my little journey while I was still working. I came across some report or product by Frank Kern called InfoMillionaire. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was like 50 bucks at the time. And I thought that was really expensive. So, but anyway, I, I convinced myself that, you know, I should get it. So I got it. And it, it changed my perspective of what people are doing online. You know, they're selling information products and earning a living from that. And I thought, actually, I like the idea of that. Although when I did lose my job a few months later, the easiest entry point was for me to sell stuff on eBay. So that's kind of how I started. Uh, I started using eBay to sell digital products. And then from that, I started to sell my own stuff. 
And then I was an affiliate marketer for six years full time. And that's kind of where I really learned to cut my teeth because as an affiliate marketer, if you, you know, it's all based on performance, right? So mm-hmm. if, if you're doing a terrible job, you don't get paid. So I think that was, that was a great education for me. And then in 2009 was when I released my very first info product, which was the first iteration of Autosponder Madness. Mm-hmm. So when you said what well, you said that you were doing the eBay stuff and then you started selling your own things, was that just like things around your house or what were you selling at that point? Uh, yeah, initially I'd figured out a way to automate the delivery of digital products on eBay. I was still quite technical back then, and this was before PayPal were owned by eBay. They were a separate company at the time. So it was a very manual process that to, you know, to sell a piece of digital information, whatever that was, and then you had to wait for for an email to come in, and then you had to check that the order had gone through, and then you had to manually email people their their download link or whatever. And I figured out a a way to automate that whole thing using autoresponders. And people were asking me how I was doing this. So I eventually created this this little, I don't know how many, it was probably 10 pages, a little 10-page PDF on how I did this. And I was selling that for like five bucks on eBay at the time oh, okay. to people that were, that were actually selling digital information. And then I just thought, let me try, build a little website, write some sales copy and put this product on there. And really, the only reason why I planned to do that was so then on my eBay page, I could say, look, I'm actually selling this on my website for $50, but I'm only selling it here for five. So it's a great bargain for you. But people started to find the website and order directly from the website, the bypassing eBay altogether. And I was earning a lot more money that way. So I thought, actually, okay, well, let's ditch eBay completely now. And that didn't take long. That whole, I was only on eBay for maybe a year. And then it was like, okay, so people actually are buying this, are buying information, you know, doing searches, finding websites and buying stuff. That was essentially what Frank Kern had articulated in that InfoMillionaire a year earlier. So they were just so, finding you just through SEO, basically searching. Through basic SEO. And yeah. I was I was active on a whole bunch of eBay forums where, you know, oh, okay. people, where you could help people out and in your signature file, you could link to your website. Got it. Yeah, that, it was very ghetto. I mean, seriously, it was... It worked. <laughs> If if you go back to a Wayback Machine and you do a search for autodigitaldelivery.com, you can still see the website. It's ugly as hell. What was it? Auto? Because I definitely want to look this up now. I'll have to get you the link. Okay. Uh, it was autodigitaldelivery.com. Yeah, I think that was what's called. Okay. Autodigitaldelivery.com. Okay, cool. Autodigitaldelivery.com. <laughs> yeah, you can still see it. It's ugly as hell. <laughs> so, that's how the whole thing started. And then and then I just I was an affiliate marketer for, for a while. So were yes. you building your email list at, the, at that point? Because if, if you're getting into to affiliate marketing, I'm assuming you had an audience at that point. I figured out the whole audience thing. And then that, that's what I started to do. Because I'm an introvert. So... I'm naturally very averse to speaking to people and doing, although there wasn't video, certainly wasn't big back then, you know, there were still people doing audio and podcasts and I thought, no, I can't do any of that stuff. So I was automatically kind of gravitated towards email because, you know, you just type something and you can communicate with an audience just through writing emails, right? Mm-hmm. So I've kind of fell in love with, with email very quickly and then I got better and better at it the more I did it. I was certainly terrible at it in the very beginning, but just through practice, figured out a few things. I figured out 
this, well, I don't know, like a unique way of approaching affiliate marketing and paired up with email, it was perfect. So that's how I actually started to do the whole email thing and uh, how I got good at it. And then only years later did I actually decide to sell, package up what I was doing using email in a, I think at the time it was a 47 page PDF guide. Mm -hmm. And that was only three because people, friends were actually asking me what I was doing with email. And I eventually just wrote this little Microsoft Word document just to give to my friends. And that's how the very first version started. And I thought, actually, someone said, you, you should put this up and sell it. I'm sure it'll be very valuable to people. And that's kind of how the first version started. I, I never thought that I was going to sell it, but mm -hmm. that's how it happened. So, Did you put it up on autodigitaldelivery.com or did you start your own website oh, no. for it? I had an internet marketing audience by then. I was doing blogging those days. Oh, okay. Lots of blogging. I'd attracted an audience just through blogging and I was doing case studies of what I was doing using affiliate marketing. And I used to put the, the case studies up on the blog. And obviously there was a, an email list attached to that. Yep. That was my entire, that's how I started to acquire this internet marketing audience back then. Was It was just me journaling what I was doing in affiliate marketing in all these other different niche markets. And so just to be clear, like what you were learning here wasn't, it's not something that's just effective for affiliate marketing. I mean, this is for, oh, no. you were learning a system or basically a process for email writing that can get people to take action. Yes. Yes. It's completely universal. You can use it for any, anything really. I mean, it taps into universal, you know, the universal framework of connecting with people. And it just happens that, that I was using email for that. Yeah. But then you could apply, which is, which is what I was doing. I was applying most of the email stuff to blogging as well. I'd create serialized, essentially serialized story using blogs. So there were like multiple pages. People were needed to read a page, click a link to continue, then read the next page and click a link to continue. And that's, that's how it really started. And then, the email was similar. I would take a story or a piece that I wanted to tell, you know, and I would break it out over multiple emails. So it was essentially the same process that I was doing on blogs. I was using an email and it just worked so well. And then I just got, got better at the process of segmenting, trying my best to be as relevant as possible. I mean, this was back in the early iterations of Aweber. So yeah. Aweber certainly isn't an advanced email service. It, you know, it's all list-based. It was terrible to use. <laughs> Thank God things got better nowadays. Right. But, so yeah, I was, I was just, you know, using lists to segment, which is very inefficient, but nobody else was doing it. So my relevancy and the emails that I was sending were, were so relevant to people that my response rate was just through the roof. And that's how I could do decent numbers with just a small email list at the time. Because you were speaking uh, directly to specific audiences. Yeah, because I'd done a great job of segmenting. So the emails that I was sending out to my audiences were very on point. It was exactly what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. And and when they told me that they were interested in a certain thing and they told me this via, you know, by clicking on links and through behavior, um, I would create automation that would allow me to send different emails and progress them through my system. So I've always been into automation. So, yeah, it was just automation. And through automation, it allowed me to be relevant. And the more relevant you are, well, 
you know, the better it's going to be for people and the, and the emails that you send out. And then when you when you layer on serialized storytelling, then it just it was just a great way of communicating with an audience. And so segmentation, automation, I'm just trying to break down sort of the, the framework here. And you were segmenting back when it was like so segmenting right now is like all the rage, you know, and, and really think that this really is the future of online marketing, but you were doing it years ago. You were doing it six, seven years ago, back when yeah, a lot of people were not talking about it. Yeah, I was doing it in 2005 when I was still an affiliate. I think I actually got my Aweber account in 2004. So it's, I don't know, 12 or 13 years ago. So it's been a while now. So um, how were you segmenting people? Because you didn't have you know the types of segmentation tools that we have now and, and you know, you oh, no. Tag and Infusionsoft and all this other stuff. How were you doing it back then? Oh God, yeah, it was it was very ghetto back then, but it still <laughs> it still worked really well. So I'd I'd actually have to create opt-in pages for the different segments because there was ah, there okay. was no there was no way to get people from one list to another list. So obviously everybody else must have thought it was the most crazy thing ever, which is why nobody was doing it. They would just have one list that they would send everything to. Sure, but I would just create little hidden opt-in pages. So on Aweber, for example, you can create an opt-in page and then they can host it for you. So it just looks just looks very basic. Yeah. It's got an, it had name, email address, and that was it. It put them onto another list. So that's what I was doing. So it was the segmentation, uh, it was the automation because people you could set these emails up so that they were they're automated. They're going right up, you know, somebody would read the email and then they'd automatically be set up to get another email, you know, in another day or a couple of days or so, just like you can do right now. But then there was the so break this sort of. What you, I love the word that you use: serialized storytelling. Tell it. What does that mean? Okay, so, so people would come on to my let's call it my general email list, which was linked up through my uh, my blog, for example. So that would have a sequence of emails attached to it, which is what I what I call a so proper sequence. And those emails would play out for however long, right? You know, a few weeks, for example. But then within the context of those emails, I would hard code in certain promotions that I knew everybody would need. Everybody needs an email software. Everybody needs hosting. Everybody needs, you know, there's there's certain elements that every marketer needs. So I would take those promotions and hard code them into that main sequence. And it'll be done in a way that, uh, for example, I don't know, let's say on email three, it's about, it was talking about email, for example. It would say, you know, I'm using this thing called Aweber. You should check it out. If you go to this link, I'll give you my report on how I set the whole thing up, for example. Okay. You know, so when they went to that link, it was an opt-in form, but I'd already told them about that. So it, it wasn't like a surprise that there was an opt-in form there. For them, it was just a logical step, right? They needed to opt-in to get the report. And by them doing that, by them jumping through that hoop, it told me that they were really interested in hearing more about the tool that I was using. Now they're far more receptive to going through another sequence all about that thing. So I would deliver, you know, said bonus. And then at the end of that, there would be a call to action to pick up the tool that I'm using. And I've just told them about it. And that will be played out over a number of emails to build up the anticipation. And, you know, at the end of the day, people only have so much attention. So I didn't want to put everything into one email. I like to tell it over a sequence of emails. And then I started to get clever about using open loops and more of the advanced techniques to build anticipation. And that just became second nature after a while is, you know, every single sequence needed to be 
over multiple emails. Uh, ideally, there would be cliffhangers and mechanisms in place that would increase people's anticipation and them wanting what I had or at least what I was saying. They wanted to know more. Give, I'm going to uh, put you on the spot, Andre. Can you give sure. me like an example of that? Because I know what you're talking about, but because I've been through the course and I, and I just think it's brilliant and I try to use this in my own stuff as well. But for those people who aren't, so you're talking about a soap opera sequence and, and open loops to build anticipation. Can you give us kind of an example to kind of break down what that means? So on the most basic level, a soap opera sequence is just a sequence of emails that talk about a certain topic. Mm-hmm. So... If that topic was Facebook, or there wasn't a no Facebook advertising uh, right. <laughs> back in the day, there was there was there was AdWords, right? right so sure. I'll say I've got this little AdWords hack that I use to do whatever, right? If you're interested in my AdWords hack, go to this page, opt in, and I'll send you the stuff. It'll be delivered over four emails, for example. So now they've now they know there's a need that I'm fulfilling, which is they want to know what this Facebook hack is mm-hmm. that I'm using to get certain results that I've already demonstrated to them. So they go to their link. It's not a surprise that there's an opt-in form there because that's how the whole internet was rigged up. So they would opt in again. And I always asked for the name. I never only asked for the email address, which is what, which was different to what everybody else is doing. Everybody else wanted to remove barriers. So, so the barrier to entry was easier and easier. But my mindset is that I wanted it to be harder and harder. So you're sort of like qualifying them a little bit more. Right. Yeah. I want them to give me their name. So, and then they opt in. They're now looking forward, you know, to receiving that email. So at least Aweber didn't force you to do double opt in. There was that option. So it was like, you know, go check your inbox now. And, you know, the first things they're waiting for you with a report or whatever. And they'll go there. And then that, that sequence will start to play out. So an open loop is simply, is simply an unfinished story. So maybe at the end of the first email, where I've delivered them the report or if I'd articulated it within the email, it would be in the next email, there's this other little thing that I didn't get around to mentioning. It's about X, Y, and Z. I'll tell you about that in the next email. Mm, Same place, same time tomorrow. So now it's built in that hook that they have to get the next email now. And that's how that thing plays out. And then obviously at the end of the sequence, three or four emails, there would be a call to action to, you know, go get Aweber or what I would try and do is I would negotiate deals with certain vendors. They would, you know, give me like a discount that I could give to my audience. So there was even a bigger reason. So it didn't look like I was just promoting something. It was, yeah. you know, I'm using Aweber. He has a special coupon you can use to get your first month for free, whatever. Got it. And that's how it plays out. It's the same that like you hear on the radio, you know, if you're listening to the radio and, and they tease you with something and they're like, we'll let you know right after this song or right after the commercial. And then they come back and then they, they share what it is. It's like, it's what keeps you there wanting to hear whatever that payoff is. And it's you're doing the same thing within email writing where you, you're telling that story, whatever that story might be for you. And it's from email to email, you're kind of leaving that cliffhanger, if you will, and you know, to come back for the next email for whatever that payoff is, for to learn whatever you've teased there, if you will. And that's going to increase exactly. your open rates and, and all that stuff. Now, you were doing this a long time ago. This is not something that would really change over the past couple of years because this is this is sort of a foundational way of doing things and 
this, like talking about segmentation and speaking directly to your audience. I mean, we're still talking about that. And and I feel like we're going to be talking about that for a long time now. Over the past few years, is there anything that you've seen kind of change or you've kind of refined along this process? The biggest change, thank God, is the technology. So the tool that we use to get this done, what we're doing is essentially hasn't changed much since since I started to do it. Mm-hmm. But the technology makes it more elegant and more seamless and more transparent. Now you can track behavior without people even knowing what they're doing. Yeah. Whereas before they had to like, you know, they had to physically opt into another list to segment yeah whereas now you can do it on a click of a link they can be browsing a website and you can be tagging them they can be making purchases you could be tagging them when they when they get a certain lead score based on certain behaviors it can trigger another sequence of of emails you can do all sorts of things in the background that people have got no idea what's actually happening right but at the end of the day we do this so our stuff is always relevant so it's just we can be more relevant now, even easier. So, I mean, now there's like really no excuses not to be relevant and send out really cool stuff for people. And the technology just, just allows us to do that. Now, the way you were describing there, I'm think I use Infusionsoft, so we can do that with tagging and segmenting and all that stuff in Infusionsoft. Right. What are some of the tools that, that you're using? We're actually just migrating over into Drip now. Is well, Drip, <laughs> and they were acquired by Lead Pages last year sometime. But I love their system. Their system's really elegant. I've been using Active Campaign for the last few years, yep. and there's some clunky parts about Active Campaign that, that I don't like. But there was just nothing better to use. So now Drip's come along, and now we're migrating across. And you're, uh, and you're setting all that up just to, like you said, it's so that it's seamless. It's kind of running in the background. People don't necessarily know that they're being – and that doesn't – I don't mean that uh, – as I say that, I think it sounds kind of like negative or scammy. But you're – when we're no, doing no, no. this, we're, you're putting – people are saying, I'm interested in this. So you're giving them more of that. You're speaking directly to that person who's basically raised their hand, if you will, to say, yeah, I'm interested in this. I want to know more about this. It allows us to do a better job of being more relevant to them ultimately. So so it's win-win for them at the end of the day it's yep. because they get more relevant emails sent to them yeah, and they get better products matched to their needs, which in the past it's difficult to – it was always difficult, you know, if you've got an email list of five or 10,000 people, well, how do you know what, what everybody's needs are? Because they're all going to be slightly different. Yeah. Whereas now we can use the technology to really dial in on that. Now I can tell without actually somebody telling me, specifically telling me, I can tell that using the technology I can figure things out. As I'm listening to this, I can sort of picture people people listening to our listeners of the show here thinking through what you're talking about here and thinking, holy cow, that's a lot of email writing. So you enjoy that. You're very good at it. What would you say to that person or what kind of help would you offer that person who is thinking that? It's like, holy cow, this sounds great. I want to do this, but I can't write all these emails. What would you say to that person? I'm all about leverage. And it's the reason why in the very, very beginning, before I knew what I was doing, it was all about automation. So automation is just leverage, right? It's just you're using technology to automate a process so you don't have to do it yourself. Sure. So when it comes to email writing, almost all the emails I send out are 
autoresponders, which are, you know, sequential emails. Mm-hmm. So it's not broadcasts. I'm not sending out these things as broadcasts because a broadcast, I, I feel, I mean, there's in certain circumstances, you know, broadcast is the best thing to use. But in almost every case, a broadcast is not the best way to send out an email because it's a one hit thing. You know, you you send it out to a portion of your list or the entire list and that email has gone now. It's, you know, you wrote it, sent and it's finished. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, nobody else gets it. Whereas when I write emails now, they're all leveraged in the sense that I write the email once and I put it into the system and that system's going to work day and night sending that same email to all the new people coming into the sequence or any person that's triggered the sequence that email is working for me and every subsequent email that i write i use emails for years yeah because it's certainly worth learning to get better at writing emails you don't have to be be the best writer in the world i'm not the best writer in the world i'm dyslexic i can't spell but you know it's just the more you do it the better you get at it but you don't have to be a stephen king to to send out decent emails because the technology is allowing you to be super relevant anyway. So as soon as you, you're relevant, it's, you know, it doesn't really matter how good your English is, for example, or how great your grammar is. People just want to learn stuff and get better at things. And you can just help them do that using emails. Yeah. How would you say that? I mean, because, you know, you mentioned drip, you know, you mentioned active campaign, you know, there's like convert kit, like you don't necessarily sure. need to use systems like Infusionsoft or Entreport that are sort of like the Cadillac of email CRM that allows you to do all this stuff. You can like, you know, the barrier to entry of segmenting and, and doing these sorts of things is really much lower now because of these very affordable systems like like we're talking about here. What would you mm. like someone just starting out, not just starting out, someone has a business, but they just they want to incorporate what you're talking about here. Where would you recommend that they start? Let's just say, OK, they have one of these email systems that's going to allow them to do this. Then where do they start from there? The first starting place is to, this is going to sound so boring and nobody does it <laughs> or, or, or nobody wants to do it. And it's about understanding your audience on a really deep level, because as soon as you, you understand who you're talking to and what their needs are and where they want to get to and how you can help them get there, writing the emails becomes 10 times easier. Mm-hmm. But you can be the best email writer in the world. But if you don't have a clue about your audience, you know, at least not in a deep enough level, it doesn't matter you sending great emails. They're just not going to be relevant to the, to those people. So that's the first thing is really getting a deep understanding of who you're talking to. And then once you figure out that is write that first sequence of emails. I mean, every single autoresponder service out there allows you to stack up emails into a sequence. Mm-hmm. So somebody opts in to get whatever, and then I starts the sequence and it can start playing out. That's the first piece. Now for the surveying, you know, we our mutual friend Jack Bourne, who's been on the podcast here, he was on episode what is it, number one thirteen, rickmulready.com forward slash one one three. Jack's got a great tool called uh, Survey Funnel, which is I believe is surveyfunnel.io. Is that a tool that is that the type of tool that you're talking about using as far as when you're trying to learn as much as you possibly can about your audience? that's a tool you can use it's a tool that you would certainly use if you want to you know do a launch or create a better sense of of a launch sequence so you can create multiple paths but before you you do that you want to get to know about what those main buckets are yeah those hot buttons what i'm talking about is more getter than that it's more (laughs) 
it's before you get there, right? It's, you know, Jack and Ryan or whoever, when they're doing these ask surveys, they, they already have the business and the website and the email lists. So this comes way before that point. Yeah. Okay. And it's just about speaking to your customers. If you own your own products, it's about when you make a sale, you, that very, very first email that gets sent out could be, Hey, tell me why you purchased X, Y, Z, you know, what was the thing that triggered that buying response? You know, why did you come to my site? What motivated you to, to do that? And you're going to learn some stuff about that, you know, about them, about their, their motivations. You know, if somebody asks for a refund, then you want to ask, you know, what was it where I let you down? You know, what was the thing that just didn't serve you? That's obviously one way. If it's if it's an affiliate business, so it's, you aren't selling your own stuff, well, mm-hmm. People will download reports, and in those reports or the emails attached to them, you can do the exactly the same thing. Obviously, speaking to people in person at events, you could do free Skype calls, a few of them every month to a segment of your list. And that's a great way to find out amazing insights that you would never have found out before. So that's kind of how it starts, and that's how, sure. I, how I get all those ideas about what I can write about and how I can better serve my audience. And the great thing about this strategy here, Andre, is that like you don't need a big list to to really be successful because you are the more engaged that list is because you are speaking directly to them and solving the problems that you know that you can solve for them. I mean, you don't need you don't need a big list to be successful with this. I can't tell you how many affiliate JV contests that I've won with an email segment of less than a thousand people. Really? So, oh yeah. Wow. So you know. Unless there's someone that's going to make more than a thousand sales, it's very easy to to do well with a small email list. Because again, and this is an email segment, you know, it's like a segment of the big list because you shouldn't really send out promotions to everyone because it's just not going to be relevant to everybody. So there's things you can do to find out, you know, to get people to raise their hand. And then the promotion only goes goes out to those people. And that's when I say there's a segment. The segments are typically just a few hundred in size. Mm-hmm. In some cases, it's a, it can be a few thousand um, if it's uh, something that's really hopped up and people know about it. But typically, you definitely don't need a, a big list. I've never had a had a big email list. It's just well. about just about being hyper relevant and. You mentioned there that a few different ways to like get people to raise their hands so you can start to mm. narrow down those people who you are going to be emailing. Like, What's one of those things that you could do? Well, uh, my favorite way is to write an email that frames the entire thing, right? So let's say I'm going to be promoting survey funnel, you know, Jack's survey funnel. Mm-hmm. I would write an email, and this is especially relevant if I don't yet have any segments that I know these people will be into or even if I do it's like well maybe there's a whole bunch of other segments that I haven't segmented out yet that will be you know that they'll be interested in this thing so I'll write that one email and I'll frame it in such a way that it hooks them into this whole idea of running survey funnels Mm -hmm. and then the whole call to action would be if you're interested in hearing more about this thing click this link and that will tell me you know that's essentially you raising your hand but if you're not interested in this thing then just ignore this email delete it don't click the link. And I'm very overt about saying that because I don't want to trick people to click the link. Otherwise, I'm sure. just creating a segment of people that's not very targeted, right? Yeah. So I'm very overt about what's going to happen. And now I know it. it's not telling me that if I get 500 people clicking that link and essentially raising their hand, 
it's already told me that, well, this is pretty relevant to enough people. But yeah. if there's only 100 people that click the link, it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe this isn't a big deal to people. So I'll push it less hard, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, totally. That brings up a great point. And you mentioned before, you're like, how many affiliate contests you've won with like, you know, lists of like a thousand people or, or less than that. And yeah. you know, I've talked to a lot of people where they've started to do this, but yet once they do it, they might only be speaking, let's just say, 100 people. And I think what you're talking about here, this is something that, that people lose sight of because those 100 people are ultra-targeted. You're talking about being hyper-relevant to a specific <laughs> audience. I mean, if you've got 100 people yeah. that you are speaking directly to, I'd rather be speaking to a, a group of 100 super-targeted people than a group of 1,000 people who aren't necessarily into what you're talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, two things happen when you do this, one of which is a fairly high percentage of those that segment are going to buy. So that's good for them and it's good for you. Yep. And that percentage of people that don't buy, it's still been relevant to them. They've just chosen not to buy for whatever reason. But in their mind, you haven't disrupted them. You know, you haven't sent them out something that's not relevant to them. They've told you it is, and it has been relevant to them. It's just for whatever reason, if it was a price thing, just bad timing or whatever. But they still see that as a relevant piece of you know information that you've sent them out and and emails. So you still win. Yeah, it's, it's still win win because you're building up that stuff in the bank. You know that that invisible thing that nobody sees that that value. Yeah, sure, sure. And I love how you said that you're doing it in a very you know, with integrity, you're doing it in a straightforward way. You want to be right. upfront with them and, t and not try to trick them. Say, look, this is what, you know, are you interested in more of this? If you are, click here. If you're not, that's totally cool. You know, you can delete the email if you want. Yeah, I mean, and in contrast, the contrast to, to doing it this way is to send out blind emails where you try and trick people to click a link. And yes, you're going to get more clicks, but you're also going to piss off more, more people and you're sure. going to get less sales. Yeah. More quality, less uh, focus more on quality, less on quantity. Right, exactly. Yeah. Less is more. You mentioned before, as far as like getting better at copywriting and better at writing emails, you know, it's just a matter of just getting in there and doing it. Maybe it is, or maybe the recommendation is for a copywriting book, but I'm wondering if you have a recommendation on a book that, you know, would help people with this whole thing, get, get better at everything that we're talking about here. Is, do you have a, is there a book that comes to mind? I will frame the question you've asked me like this. I'm not a copywriter and I've never been through an entire copywriting course beginning to end ever. Hey, I mean, I've been doing this for I a while. That. That's yep. awesome. That's awesome. The people think I'm a, I'm a copywriter because yeah. of the emails that I send, but I'm not. I'm definitely not. <laughs> but, you know, getting good at email isn't, it's different to write website copy. You know, Agora is probably, they've got the, the best copywriters in the world in terms of a collection of people that work for a company. And they, they'll be the first people to admit this, that they're the worst email writers in the world because they are looking at every email as a piece of copy, you know, where they're trying to write sales copy on it mm. and it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So I would go the other way and I would recommend people read fiction the very first book I read and it literally changed the way that, that I write and how I send emails is a book by Lee Child called Persuader. Um, Persuader? Is, it's a, okay. Yeah, Persuader. It's uh, Lee Child's seventh. It's a seventh Jack Reacher book. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, Jack Reacher's got famous now because Tom Cruise has played yeah. two movies now with him and inside it. Persuader was the very first book I read and... Lee Child has just got an amazing writing style that's very short sentences, very staccato, 
and I, I just love reading it. And I just applied that over time, that way of writing to all my emails. Okay. And that's how I got better at, at writing was just reading more, more fiction, specifically that book. I love it. That was that book was was the starting point. Persuader, which is the seventh Jack Reacher book by Lee Child. Okay, cool. I'll link that up yeah. in the show notes for the episode. Yeah, it'll be the best ten dollar copywriting course ever. I love that. <laughs> I love that, Audrey. I want to make sure that people check out Autoresponder Madness and learn more about you and, and check out what you're up to. Where can people go to to do that? Yeah, they can go to Autoresponder Madness. Um, we're actually migrating our entire all our websites across to one central brand, but you can still access Autoresponder Madness if they scroll down and opt in. I'll expose them to to a soap opera sequence that probably runs for three or four weeks. So they can get to see how the whole thing works. Okay. Okay. Actually, you know what? That reminds me. I have one last quick question about that. Sure. And it's a question. I was just speaking at an event over the weekend and somebody asked me to actually get this question all the time. How do you figure out how the spacing of your emails, like how frequently you should be sending those emails? Like people should definitely go check out and get in on, join your email list so they can see what you're doing here firsthand. But what was to be the biggest uh, or the best advice there? I think lots of people try and they're looking for technical advice. So it's... Everyone wants the magic pill. Everyone wants the magic pill on it. Should the email be short? Should it be long? How big are the gaps? And ultimately, it it doesn't matter. I mean, if your emails aren't relevant and they're not being read, it doesn't matter if they're short or long, they're not being read, right? In the same way with the spacing. So my rule of thumb is early on, the emails will be daily. So I think if you opt into my old responder madness lists, it's literally an email every single day for three weeks or four weeks. Then I'll space them out more. So then there'll be one email every four days or one email a week, just so people still hear from me, right? Yeah. And if they don't want to be on your emails, they unsubscribe, which is fine. Exactly. And I tell people to unsubscribe and I'll do list hygiene and I will delete people off my list all the time. So if people aren't clicking and reading and enjoying what I'm sending out, either they'll leave or I will delete them. So either way, they'll be removed if I'm not doing a great job of serving their needs. Yeah. Love it. I love it. So autorespondermadness.com, is that correct? Yep. Okay, perfect. Yes. So so uh, everybody go check out autorespondermadness.com. I will link that up in the show notes for the episode today as well. Andre, this is well worth the wait to have you on the show here. So thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. You're more than welcome. And I'm just sorry that it's taken so long for us to hook up. <laughs> oh, it's all good, buddy. It's all good. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Hope you got a lot out of this on Andre today. For all the links that we talked about on today's show, you're going to find everything over on the show notes page over at rickmulready.com forward slash 123. rickmulready.com forward slash 123. Now, if you're liking the podcast here and you've not yet left a quick, honest rating and review for the show over on iTunes, Please show your support by taking a second to do that. It's a huge help. Only takes about 30 seconds to do it. So just go to iTunes, type in the Art of Paid Traffic podcast, click on ratings and reviews, and you can leave your honest rating and review right there. Thanks a lot for doing that in advance. Really appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Coming up in the next episode, my good friend Amanda Bond, who is an expert in Facebook ad strategy and the owner of a very successful business managing Facebook ads for other businesses, is going to join me here in the podcast. This interview with Amanda may be my favorite one yet on the podcast here. And I'm really pumped to share it with you coming up in the next episode. So until then, keep testing your paid traffic to find out what works for you and your business and then do more of what's working. And I'll see you in the next episode.
Do you want to avoid the seven biggest mistakes that burn through course creators' ad money? I see these over and over and over again, and I put them together in a mini email series. This is not fluff. Each of the seven mistakes, I also have a recorded video tutorial showing you inside of Facebook Ad Manager how to fix those mistakes. This is good, solid, and it will save you money or help you make more money with your Facebook ads Click down in the show notes below, you'll see the link and you can go download it right now for free.